I just wasn't doing what Mike told me to do. Uh, fourth through sixth graders, you can make your way over for their class as well right now. It's, uh, it's a privilege for me for sure to have the opportunity of, of uh, bringing the word to you today. If you turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 14, we're going to look at five short verses that may be a, <laughs> a source of confusion when you read it. D- don't be surprised. You might be a little more confused after I finish. Uh, I'm really hoping you aren't, but that's going to be the work of the Holy Spirit. So 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. And the law is written by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. Even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. Therefore, the whole church comes together, if therefore, and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. In these few verses, we're going to find what to me is one of the most terrifying verses in Scripture. You're also going to find a scripture that's one of the most glorious to me in all of scripture. And we're also looking at a section of this letter that's called the trickiest part of the entire letter. So if, if it's been a struggle for you up until now, that's fine. Not, not surprised. Uh, join with many others who have been wondering about what all this means. Now, just so you know, Chris and Stephanie, Jesse, our senior pastor and his wife, are in Minnesota. They have been asked to come for the weekend. They'll be coming home tomorrow night um, to teach at the church there in Minneota their annual family camp. So they all go away together for the weekend, and Chris will be bringing all six messages. So when he gets home, he's going to be tired. In fact, I talked with him on the phone yesterday. He said, you know, I, I used to watch you come back from these things, and I couldn't believe how hoarse you were and how excited, exhausted you were. Now I know. <laughs> um, Minneota, by the way, is, is a Grace Partnership Church. It's one of the churches that we partner with throughout literally the world to fulfill our mission together to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ, and to make disciples. So one of the the things many of you have come to me 
uh, as of late when it was announced that I was going to be on the board of Grace Partnership, encouraging me, which I'm very grateful for. And then many of you said you're going to be praying for me, which I'm really grateful for in the days ahead, because this is definitely going to be an adventure, but I'm in faith for it. I got the okay from Melody and from the elders, so we're looking forward to the days ahead. Let's pray. Father, I can't thank you enough for your word. Especially this section, Lord, there's many things we would not know because they haven't been addressed elsewhere the same way. And so we look forward to all that you do have for us. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, minds to reason and parse all this out, and faith to embrace what is being said for us as a church, but for us as individuals. I pray in the name of Christ, amen. That last song, It's Not Enough, unless you come, boy, that is on my heart this morning. I got up this morning to review my notes, and I looked at them and went through them all and went, ooh, I don't like that. It doesn't work. So uh, I'm not sure how today is going to go. I had a friend say, can't wait to hear it, and I said, me too. So um, let's, let's dive in. If I make a mess today, by the way, Chris will be back next week to clean it up. That used to be my job, now it's his, so I'm allowed to make the messes today. Uh, Verse 20, brothers, do not be children in your thinking, but infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. This quick phrase, be infants in evil, just jumped out to me as I was preparing for this message today. And we know that from verse 3, already a part of our study of of recent... uh, of chapter 12 through 14. Verse 3 says, without love, having exercising these gifts, and uh, the exercise of these gifts really means nothing. And no one's impressed uh, when these gifts operate if it doesn't come from a heart of love. And I, I've loved the way uh, Chris has expressed this. These gifts are an expression of God's love for us. That's what's really going on here. And in verse 11, uh, he says, maturity means putting away childish things, the the silly, the foolishness that we see and have all experiences in many churches. Put that away. Go after the the truth, the the meat of the word, and and grow thereby. Sorry if you're a vegetarian, but that's what he said, so. Now, of course, there's other parts of Scripture that uh, affirm the exact, exact same thing, but Before we get started and I get into each of the parts of this, the the simple part of the understanding of this from my perspective at this point is Paul's talking about tongues. He's talking about interpretation. He's talking about prophecy. And it looks like in this passage that he says one thing and then says another. And what's really helped me, and I hope it helps you, is that there are two aspects of the gift of tongues. Paul said, I wish that you would all speak in tongues. He said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. I don't know how he 
quantified that. How do you find out? How much do you speak in tongues? Well, I speak in, you know. Um, but I mean, the point is, tongues are for every member of the church. And it's personal. It's, it's you expressing all that's in your heart, even when your language fails you. So whether you're worshiping, you can sing in tongues. Whether you're praying, you can pray in tongues. That's between you and God. And, and he's uttering these things, it says in verse 2. You're, you're speaking to God in those moments. But there's also the public gift of tongues. And that's what Paul's talking about. You go back all through what we've studied already. That's what he's talking about here, is the public use of tongues. But these are interwoven throughout what we're going to see. So to keep it clear, we're not just looking at what's different or what's, what he's saying here or there. We're, we're looking at the big picture of how does God use the gift of tongues in this church. We're not talking about the whole church and the whole world. We're talking about right here. How, how would it please God for that gift to be manifested where someone gives a word in tongues to the entire church? When is that appropriate? When is it not? And if you keep that simple little idea in mind, it might help you all through this passage. Because he's talking about being um, infants and evil. And in our world today, I don't know about you, but there's this seeming pressure to be informed, to be up to date. And I would say that's very deceiving. We need to be very aware. Now, I've heard folks, and I'm not criticizing them, just say I don't listen to the news anymore because it's like it's such a battle to even deal with what you're hearing all the time. But we also don't want to just put our head in the sands and not know what's going on at all. And yet we can know too much about what's going on and be too involved in what's going on. Because in our country, in our culture, evil is being promoted and celebrated everywhere. TV, movies, books, internet apps, magazines, songs, their lyrics, the videos um, of the music. They're glorifying, literally glorifying, everything that God says is evil. So when we were raising our kids, we tried to be very, very careful about what our kids listen to. And we always found that to be quite the challenge. What do we do in a culture in an age like ours? I would say this is the temptation for all generations. It's, it is today, it was before, it's going to be until Jesus returns. Why? Because it is hard to be a faithful disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian life is not an easy life. If you're looking for easy, this is the wrong place. I don't know of anything that's harder than the Christian life. Because we are citizens of heaven. We're really not of this world. We're not citizens of this world in a primary, primary sense. But we are living in that world. We are participating in that world. And Christ sent us 
into that world. So being a, a disciple is hard because the attraction of the world, the attraction of evil is powerful. It's strong. This need to know, this need to understand, it has a powerful draw to it. And just evil itself, just, just knowing what others do in secret is, 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 is so intriguing. Like, we want to know what everybody's doing, what's going on. Now, I'm not accusing you of these things. I'm just confessing. This is a struggle for me. I've, I've kind of all my life in ministry thought, I need to know what's going on so that if I'm working with someone or counseling or discipling someone that's involved in that kind of thing, I need to know what they're talking about. But I've gone too far way too many times. Because Scripture says I really don't need to know what they do in secret. So you have this tension. It's not just like an easy, okay, here's the book. We'll just go by the book. We're done. So I'm telling you, this is me. It may be you, but it's me. And so if you think about it, (laughs) pray for me. When you struggle this way or just the Lord brings it to your mind, pray for me. I I need to know the boundaries because it seems like the boundary lines keep changing (laughs) all the time. But Scripture is very clear. So in 1 John chapter 2, it says, Do not love the world. Or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Meditate on that for a little while. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And then Proverbs 2. And if you go back to the beginning of this chapter, you'll see that he's, he's talking about God giving his people wisdom for these, this very purpose. Then you will understand, when we have the wisdom that God gives, then you will understand righteousness, justice, and equity. Well, those are words that are part of our culture today, right? Justice and equity. Everybody's trying to find how, how to, to do that. You, you'll also understand every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion, which we need so much. That's the point of this. We need discretion. will watch over you. So expect and ask for and, and respond when the Holy Spirit, you're watching a TV show or you're watching, you're reading a book and the Holy Spirit just says, yeah, don't, don't go there. Skip over that. You don't, you don't need that. Just trust him. To give you discernment to know, yeah, this, this isn't going to be helpful. This is going to stir up my flesh. It, it, I, I, I don't need to do that. It will also give you understanding to deliver you, it says, from the way of evil. That's exactly what we want. Deliver you from the way of evil. For men of perverted speech, which we hear all the time, who forsake the paths of righteousness to walk in the ways of darkness, which we see all the time. Rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. 
They're deceptive. It's a trap, basically what he's saying. So it's hard to be a disciple. That's why we need each other. That's why we need the church. That's why we need the Word of God. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we're emphasizing how the Holy Spirit works among us with His gifts, because it's hard. And I don't think there's a, a given Sunday that we don't gather together that I, I would virtue to say everyone in the room is struggling with something, because we live in a fallen world, and it's hard. It's also hard to be a parent these days. As I alluded to, to earlier, what, what, do you, what do you let your, your children listen to? What, what do you have in your home? What, what do you watch on TV? What, what do you read to your children? And that's an ongoing issue that every parent needs discernment. If you have teenagers, it's a different kind of discernment than when, when your children are seven or eight. So it's, it's again, a, not just a set of rules. It's walking with the Spirit. It's learning from the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit giving you wisdom year by year by year because your children change so much. Well, here's a recommendation that I would give to you. When you're told your child is old enough, sit down and draw them into your struggle as their parent with this thing, whatever it is, drawing the line. Especially when they're teenagers, it's kind of like, come on, Dad, why? And instead of them thinking that you're enjoying your power to tell them yes or no, explain to them the struggle you've had maybe during your life or even right then with drawing any lines or any boundaries at all. Let them see how challenging it is to make a decision on, on what's appropriate. Share your successes with your children. Share your failures. We need wisdom from on high. Why? Because we want our children to see our need for the same thing that they need. The only source is Christ Jesus. So I've appealed to my children, look, I'm not sure if I'm even making the right decision here in this rule or this boundary, whatever. Let's pray together and and let's talk this through and see if this really is the wise thing for you, for us, for now. And let your child feel some of that responsibility so they just don't think you're, you know, ruling and reigning and enjoying every second of it. Now, the problem we've seen in our church in this area is legalism. Because as parents figure out what they should and shouldn't do, they think everybody should have the same conviction. And if this family doesn't do what that family's doing, or if they let their children watch a movie that this, this family won't let them, it's like, wait a minute, we're not working together. And sometimes friendships actually separate because you're not doing what I think is right. Church, when you begin to judge other people based on what they do and whether or not you like it, understand it, agree with it, that's legalism. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is working with each individual at different maturity levels, at different seasons of life, 
and the way the Holy Spirit is leading them is best for them in that moment in their life. Now, it's fine to compare notes and say, hey, just curious, um, you know, you let your child, if you're friends, uh, you let your child watch this, you know, what's behind that? Because I was thinking, da-da-da. And talk things over and listen to each other and gain understanding. They may be right. Go back to your kids and say, hey, by the way, talk to so-and-so. It's okay. You can watch the movie. Or they may be convicted and say, you know what? I'm not paying enough attention. Or I didn't even realize that stuff was there. Thank you so much. We work together. But we don't expect everyone around us to do the same things. Yes, the Bible says to hold each other accountable. And yes, we want to as a church to be able to communicate freely as we struggle with these things in the context of the church. But it's not, please hear this, for the future, it is not your God-given responsibility to make sure everyone does what you are led to do. Now you say, Danny, why are you making such a big deal of this? Well, we have seen in this church way too many times children that were brought up and raised in this church who are away from the faith today because of individuals that didn't know them, had no idea what they were going through, had no authority in their life, didn't go to the parents, went right to the kid and told them what they were doing wrong. It's heartbreaking. Kids that we've known and loved their whole lives won't have anything to do with Jesus. Anything to do with the church. Why? They see the church as judgmental. They see the church as critical. Why? You didn't have a relationship with them. Sorry, I'm getting a little emotional here, but goodness gracious, I've made a habit of getting with some of the kids that are now away from the church and drawing them out. Okay, what happened? And I am horrified by things I've heard that other members of the church said to my kids when my They didn't even know my kids. I've seen that with my own children. A lot of times your kids don't tell you. Mine didn't. They were adults before I found out some of the things that happened. And it's not just from adults, but but teens, bullying teens, and, and ridicule and criticism. Oh, you're not doing this, or you're wearing the wrong clothes, or... You're not right, wearing the right clothes, or you, your hairstyle, that's not acceptable, or you went to this movie, I, I can't fellowship with you, or, or I'm going to criticize. That, that destroys people. That's not biblical accountability. That's not friendship. And I pray that God will bring back every child that has gone wayward. And when they come back, they'll discover we're different. I know I'm speaking to many parents who are here whose child is wayward, which I'm among, because of these very things. So it really couldn't be more serious when basically we're trying to live our lives for the glory of God, and and then behind the scenes, we're picking off our kids one at a time. We need the Holy Spirit in the worst way. And we need each other 
to be able to talk to, to draw out, to listen to, to learn from. So you, some of you young parents of young children or infants, we don't want you to make the same mistakes we did. Because we want a church that glorifies God. Amen? Okay, let's move on to the scripture. <laughs> um, look at verse 21. In the law, it is written. Paul takes, in a, takes an unusual turn here. It's, it's an interesting twist. He, he's actually going to para, paraphrase, and we'll read it in a minute. This, what you're hearing right now, is a paraphrase of something Isaiah said in chapter 28 of his book. By people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. And even then, they will not listen to me. This is the verse that terrifies me. The people of God, they have the word of God, which is the Old Testament. And they have the prophets who are being, giving utterances and, and preaching uh, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And they would not listen. And I think about myself. I, I'm part of the body of Christ. Could I be doing the same thing? I even thought in particular with this series on gifts. You know, it, it's, not, it's not comfortable. I, I, uh, so, so many years I'll talk to pastors and, and, and they don't deal with this. Why? Because <laughs> it's too messy. It causes too many problems. Let's just go on with running the loss, uh, reaching the loss. Let's go off uh, with, with uh, living our lives for the glory of God. Let's, let's sing to the Lord. But this, how in the world? And so we, as a church, could, again, not an accusation, we could listen to this whole series and agree with the, with the different scriptures and say, oh, that, I can see that now but then not listen. What do you mean not listen? Avoid it. Don't embrace it. Don't take it personally. Just, okay, well, that's for some of those people out there. No, this is for you. And if you and I, as individuals, hear the word of the Lord and do not listen, then these strange tongues here are actually judgment. Because God is horrified by that when his people won't listen. Not listening is very deceptive. And you know, when you're deceived, you don't know you are. If you knew you were deceived, guess what? You wouldn't be deceived anymore. You'd just be doing something intentionally. And when you're deceived and you don't know what, that you are, you just go about your merry way thinking everything's fine. You know, if I speak in tongues, fine. If I lay hands on the sick and they're healed, fine. If I prophesy, fine. If I don't, fine. No. That's not what Paul's saying. He said he wants all of us to prophesy. He wants all of us to speak in tongues. You say, oh, Danny, now you're bringing the pressure, and, and now I feel like I'm, I'm a second-class citizen because I may not operate in some of these gifts. You know what? I don't have the gift of administration. 
Now, I know that's not a spectacular public uh, gift necessarily, but I don't have it. Chip Chu has it. I, I don't envy him. I'm just grateful for him because we're in our elders' meetings and we are trying to go a direction and he'll bring in all the administrative stuff. I'm like, what are you trying to do? Just, you know... Pour water on, on the excitement here. No, he's exercising his spiritual gift. Now, do I try to be administrative? Yes. Have I asked Chip to teach me over the years? Yes. But it's okay to be strong in some gifts and not others. But we're all gifted. And it's not okay for us to not care about the gifts we don't have. Now here, this may help you as well. In Christ dwell all of the gifts of the Spirit, correct? Because Christ and the Spirit are one. And Christ, as Shane was saying earlier, lives in you. Therefore, every spiritual gift dwells in you. You take it with you everywhere you go. So what you'll find when you're expecting these things and you're open to them and you're embracing this for you, you'll find yourself in all kinds of situations where different kinds of gifts, even gifts that you're not used to being used in, you'll see that, the fruit of that, right in front of you and you will be surprised. It's a wonderful way to live because the Holy Spirit used that gift in you at that time for that purpose. It's just glorious. So we live with an expectancy of all of it, not just the gifts we're studying right now. These are just a few of the gifts. They're not the best gifts. They're not the most important gifts. Who would say that the gifts of, of helps is not needed? Where would we be as a church if we didn't have the spiritual gift of helps? And you probably, people come to your mind right now, individuals in the church here that are supernaturally oriented to help. And it blows my mind and it thrills my soul. Because they get so, delight, so much delight out of just helping someone and nobody knows anything about it. But it's a spiritual gift working in them. It's a glorious way to live. Now let's, let's look at what Isaiah actually said. Uh, chapter 28, verse 9 through 12. To whom will he teach knowledge? To whom will he explain the message? That's a question we all have, isn't it? He answers it. Those who are, who are weaned from the milk, those who are taken from the breast. For it is precept upon precept, upon precept Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. For by people of strange lips and foreign tongue, the Lord will speak to his people, to whom he has said, this is rest, give rest to the weary, and this is repose. And they would not hear. This is the tragedy of not listening. This is the tragedy of coming on a Sunday, listening to a message, walk out the door, go to lunch, 
and never think about it again. God is speaking to us from his word. An individual comes to you and, and prays for you, and, and it's like they're, re, they're, they're reading your mail. They're, they're, they're praying the very things that you've been thinking about or you've been going through. What is that? It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. I don't mean uh, speaking in a level of actual, you know, scripture, written scripture. I mean personally. He's talking to you. He knows. What is he communicating? He knows and he cares. And he cares enough to send that individual to you to say those things so you'll know he cares. You'll know that he knows. You'll know you're not alone. You'll know you're in need of all that God has for you. Because if he knows what's going on, you know he's going to help. He's going to bring answers. So when it comes to spiritual gifts, as a church, we want to embrace these things. We don't want to focus on them. Again, this is not the main, the main thing, church. Not here. The main thing is what? One at a time. The main thing at Metro Life Church is, oh, that's really good. God help us, Chris, you're listening to this. The main thing, what? Thank you. It's the gospel. That's the main thing. That's what we emphasize. That's what the basis of our discipleship and our life and our serving together and singing in everything that we do is the gospel. This we call a secondary issue because you, you don't need to get all this right to go to heaven. We want to get these things right so we can live our lives for the glory of, of glory of God. So there's no pressure here for you to do stuff. Well, I got to do this now and I got to do that. No, just want it. Just ask for it. Seek it. As Paul said earlier, eagerly delight in these things so that you are opening up to the spirit, but also you're opening it up to your community group or your friends in the Lord or whoever, people that you, you trust. Let me ask you a question. How well do you know the other people in your community group? I mean, we could go to group week after week after week, sit down, hear some good stories, pray some good prayers, and go off and really not know anything about what the person is, where they've been, what they're going through, what their needs are. But biblical fellowship, and I know every community group leader here today so desires this for their group, for us to know each other, for us to spend time together. So yes, you're in a community group, but go out and have dinner. Hear their story. Draw them out. One of the things I love to do after I meet with someone is I just ask them, how can I pray for you? And then I get out my phone, because I have a terrible memory, and I write down what they say. So whenever the Lord brings them to my mind, I can go back to that, and I can pray for what they need, because they told me they needed it. I know it's what they need. It's a little thing. It doesn't make me better. It's just an idea. It's something that helps. 
because you want to know one another. You want to have relationships that are genuine. You, you want to be real with one another. You want to be able to ask others in your life what they see in your life and marriage and parenting. And, and that's something I believe we need to initiate with people. I mean, how many people are really going to come to you if they're not sure if you're okay with it? And so as you're getting to know someone, you can just say to them, hey, by the way, I really appreciate you as a friend. I enjoy the time with you. So loved watching the game last week with you. But I also want you to know, I want to give you permission to speak into my life. I I want you to feel comfortable coming to me and saying, hey, I noticed... I think one of the brothers did this one time with me, and I had opened up to them. I said, do you notice anything? And I think the brother said, yeah, I, I noticed that when you get in the car, you don't open the door for your wife. I thought, so? <laughs> and he said, the only way that I bring that up is not like a new rule. It's just, just simply that it, it's, an, it's an, an act of cherishing. You're not necessarily trying to perform for the world, but you're saying to yourself, she is my priority. So when it's raining and we have one umbrella, I get wet and she doesn't. Why? Because she's priority. And anytime you can find little things to demonstrate that she's priority, it's really, really good for your marriage. So for instance, when I started learning these things myself, I don't drink coffee. You probably heard, some of you have heard this before. I don't drink coffee, but my wife absolutely loves, cannot live without, cannot function in the morning without coffee. But I had never learned to make coffee because I didn't like it. So I learned how to make coffee. Took Melody telling me several times (laughs) and many mistakes to get it right. I think I'm pretty well there now, but I love making coffee for her in the morning. Why? Because I'm telling myself and I'm telling her, I cherish you. Now, where would our marriage be today if that brother had not cared enough to talk to me? You say, oh, you'd still be a Christian. Absolutely. You'd still be in love. Absolutely. That's, that would be my expectation but this makes it richer. This makes it more wonderful. It causes my love to grow. And so what we're talking about is knowing people well enough, having the kind of relationship, biblical fellowship, friendship with them, to where you you genuinely love them and you care about them. And guess what? They love you and care about you. It's a beautiful thing. That's why scripture says, when those outside the church see us, the declaration is, oh, how they love one another. Because we do that. We live that way. We want that to be evident. Now, we're not trying to put on a show. But we're guarding our own hearts and we're obeying what we know to be God's will for us. It's just, 
It's just very easy to be around people, to go out and do things with them, to have a lot of common interests, to enjoy some of the same TV programs, and you don't even know them. So when it's time to pray for them, what do you pray? Um, that Florida State wins next week? I, I know that's important to them. No, that's not a Florida State Gator thing. Okay, just, that's all I knew about him, so that's all I knew to pray. And you still give me a thumbs down. Okay. So here's where, in verse 22, Paul says something that can be easily confusing. And I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it. But basically what he's saying, well, I'll read it. Tongues are, for, are a sign for, for believers, not for unbelievers. Prophecy is a sign for unbelievers, but for believers. And so he's making it very clear. If you wonder what's what, tongues are for unbelievers. Prophecy is for believers. Well, then he's going to go on to say something that sounds very, very different. And here we have to make the distinction. I find it helpful to make the distinction. He's talking about public gifts. Tongues, as you'll see, with interpretation, has a profound effect on unbelievers. Because they hear it publicly. God knowing them and talking to them and knowing about them. And it blows their mind. Prophecy does the same thing. It ministers to us. It encourages us. It builds us up. Both of these gifts, all three of these gifts working together are so that you and I will mature and as we read earlier, no longer be infants. And Paul gives two examples. One where everybody in the place is speaking in tongues and everybody thinks they're crazy, understandably. Or everybody in the place is prophesying and the Holy Spirit's actually convicting people by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you have those two comparisons, which one are you going to choose? Well, it's obvious, right? We're going to choose prophecy. Is that what Paul's saying? No. <laughs> like he said in verse 5, I would that you all speak in tongues. So he's certainly not saying to not use that gift anymore. And he also says in verse 39, which we'll get to at the end of this chapter, do not forbid speaking in tongues. So he's obviously not saying tongues are only for unbelievers and prophecy is only for believers. They both have the same effect. They both are used in powerful ways to what? Build up the church. So let me just make this clear. At Metro Life Church, as far as we understand Scripture, public tongues without interpretation is not acceptable. Why? Because nobody knows what you're saying. It's unprofitable, Paul says. It, it's not worth our time together. That's why you won't hear people just stand up in the middle of the service and prophesy or, or speak in tongues. That's why we, as elders, qualify and verify and judge words before you ever hear them. Why? As shepherds, we want to make sure what you're hearing is truly from the Lord. 
this may have happened to many of you. I know it's happened to me. I'll get something as a, what, as a word, and I, I, I go up to the, to the mic to, to see if it fits and all that. And, I, and they realize, and I realize, no, this word's for me. Or it's for Nancy. It's not for everybody. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit does that. So the only thing you hear is what has been tested. Why? For your protection. Well, we can't test what we can't understand. So interpretation is essential for tongues to be used by the Holy Spirit. Now, let me close with this. In verse 25, Paul gives that passage of scripture that I said is really the heart of our church and has been actually from the days we began praying about the possibility of planting the church until this very moment. This is our heart. This is what we want to see. Verse 25, the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare, God is really among you. (laughs) Is that amazing? Isn't that what we want? We want reality. We want God to move. We, We don't want to do anything, especially with these gifts, that draws attention to ourselves. That's a real struggle when you have a public gift and God uses you regularly in that to draw attention to ourselves. And we have to fight that regularly when you have that kind of a gift. Now, those with the gift of helps and administration usually don't have to fight it the same way because they usually don't get the same credit. But it's important for us to realize this is what this is all about. I was talking to Darren Slack. And he said, those who are gifted prophetically, to those who are gifted prophetically, this is the central heart of their desire to even use the gift. This is why public gifts are given. So the believer, and I would add the the unbeliever and believer, as we'll see as we continue to study, are ministered to by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, obviously, there are other gifts involved, like when, when someone prophesies and, and it, they're reading your mail. Well, the gift of wisdom is operating. The gift of discernment is operating. The gift of knowledge is operating. It's not like you go, this is one thing, this is another thing. They're, they're all in Christ. They're all in you. And they work together, what? To glorify God and build up the bride of Christ. So our desire is this. We want to see unbelievers see the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. We want believers to grow in the knowledge of the kingdom and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want, bottom line, to hear this, God is really among you. Now, I've, I've heard from many of you, of course, those of you that I've known for a long time, but this would be actually your experience. The reason you're even here is because something like this along these lines happened, not just necessarily prof- prophecy or whatever, but just what you saw, you're like, wow. 
We have so many people who find us on the internet, listen to our messages, read our statement of faith, look at our activities, and they can do that sometimes for months. And then they show up to find out if what they're seeing and what we're saying is true. They come in to watch us, church. Again, we don't want to put on a show, but the reality of when they're around us, whether it be an outreach, whether it be a gathering of some sort, a community group, having dinner together, when we're around people that don't have reality, when they've grown up in, a, in a, just a, a, a pseudo-Christianity where they, they don't have the reality of living their lives for the glory of God and the Spirit of God, for them to see what God's doing for us demonstrates the truth of what we're trying to share with them. It's not my job to convince people of anything. I can't talk anybody into the gospel, receiving the gospel. I don't have that ability. Only the Holy Spirit can. So please don't put that on yourself. Well, if I would just said this, if I just used the right scriptures, if I just prayed the right prayer, no. The Holy Spirit does it with or without you. We all know that, right? But he does use you. We just do what we know is right for us to do, and we do what we're called to do, and we love one another sacrificially and lavishly. But our hope is that anyone that sees us will realize, oh, that's, that's what it means in the Bible when it says this. So I would conclude with this. Tongues, interpretation, and prophecy are used in many ways. Can be used publicly, can be used privately. This letter, and Seth, Seth Greer helped me with this because I was struggling. I, I've struggled the whole time I've been studying this. Seth said, most people don't understand that 1 Corinthians was a specific letter to a specific church about a certain problem. There was a misuse of the gifts. And again, Paul is not saying stop using the gifts. He's just like, you're doing it the wrong way. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. So when we're reading this letter, we don't have all the details as to what was really going on in Corinth. We have no history of the specifics, who was doing what. But to the people that received the letter, they knew exactly what Paul was talking about. They weren't confused by this at all. And that helps me. <laughs> and then he said this, and it really helped me. <laughs> he said, when we're trying to answer the question, why did Paul say this or that, we're guessing. Doesn't that make you feel comfortable? We're guessing. We don't know. We can see where it can apply to different things. And I may have said some things today that don't quite fit with your understanding of the past. Uh, I, I'm not trying to convince you to my way. I'm just, the, the reality is that we are trying our best, humbly, hopefully, to apply these scriptures to us personally, to us corporately as a church to see the gifts flourish, for the gifts to be welcome. If someone comes to you and has a word for you, don't say, uh-uh, you're not going to prophesy over me. I don't believe in that stuff. Not that you would, but there, there can be a hesitancy, like, oh, this is weird. 
Instead, embracing. Instead, saying, Lord, I want all of you. Lord, I want to see you pour out your spirit in our church. So we prepare ourselves to come in that way. We come with an expectancy of the Holy Spirit to do these things. You may have seen, even during worship, you'll see different individuals go over and pray for other people and you might think, what's going on? Well, they're just trying to obey the Lord. They're praying for, they're prophesying over, they're caring for individuals. There's a lot of work, ministry going on. God is at work from before the service, during worship, during the word, after, at lunch, Monday night, Thursday night. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's our lifestyle to expect the Holy Spirit to do these things in our midst. And it's our desire that he uses us in those things. Let's stand together. As we sing this song, can we just, the band's going to kind of keep the volume down so you can just hear yourself sing, hear others sing, and, and really think about this and what it means for you. We've got a lot of things to work out as a church. We certainly have not arrived when it comes to these things. But what about you? I see a brother right now that came to me several weeks ago when we first started talking about prophecy. And he says, you know, I, I just, I, I feel like I have the gift of prophecy, but I, I just don't have the faith or never felt called to go up to that mic and give it to everybody. He said, what do I do? Whatever the Lord tells you to do. <laughs> this is the coolest thing. That very afternoon or after the service, we were praying for someone, ministering to someone, and he and his wife came over. You know what he did in that setting? He prophesied. And afterwards, I'm like, hey, you just told me you wanted to, <laughs> but you weren't because you didn't think that was it. This is it. The public part of it is not the important part. What's important is the Holy Spirit at work, alive in us. So let's sing and think about how this applies to you.